know what that was? That was the dinner bell. Amen. <laughs> Blessed be the name of the Lord. If you woke up this morning and you're in Texas, you've got every reason to praise God. Amen. Hallelujah, boy. Woke up to a beautiful morning. Uh, let me tell you, it's, it's hot outside and the sun is shining, but it's our goal to let the sun shine inside. Amen. Let's praise God this morning. Yes, let's give Him the glory. Let's ask His Spirit to fall down in here and touch each and every heart. Let's go to the Lord in prayer immediately, shall we? Father, we come to you now in Jesus' name. We want to thank you for the opportunity to gather together in your house and worship you. And I pray, Lord God Almighty, that you would take us and use us today. I'm praying, Lord God, that your Spirit would fall and fill each and every one of us. That if there be anybody that needs to come to know you as personal Lord and Savior, or anybody, Father God, that needs to get their heart right with you, would you let today be that day? We want to give you the praise, honor, and glory. Ask you to go with us even now. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, good morning and welcome to Robertson Avenue Baptist Church. This is the day the Lord has made. We should rejoice and be glad in it. I want to share with you a little bit about what's going on at Robertson Avenue, but first I want to welcome you if you're visiting with us. Please take the time to fill out the visitor card that you'll find in front of you. Place it in the offering plate. Then come around so we can have a record of your visit. We would greatly appreciate that. And also, if you're joining online with us today, we also want to welcome you and ask you to take the time to come and be a part of what God is doing here at Robertson Avenue Baptist Church. We feel like God has led you to us. We're asking God to bless you, and we're praying that the Holy Spirit would speak to you today. All right. So, if you were here with us last week, you know we had a fantastic concert. We had a wonderful uh, potluck dinner afterwards. And perhaps you can see some of those on the slides in a little bit. Uh, there were some fun times and a full house. And praise God for that. Uh, so, let me share with you a little bit about what's going on this week. Well, coming up today uh, at um, 6 o'clock, the beginning of our evening service, we're going to have a very special called business meeting. It's a very short business meeting. We're going to look at one item and one item only. It'll be relatively easy to do. It's going to Era. So please come and be a part of that and pray about what God is doing there. I also want to remind you, if you're on our ministry team, next Sunday at 4 p.m. we'll have a ministry meeting. Uh, and I want to start preparing you for what God is doing uh, throughout the rest of this month. Church, if you'll look down at the bottom of the upcoming event, you'll find out September 22nd is Choosing at the Pole this year. And that's been kind of thrown away by a lot of churches. And the reason why is because the public school system kind of discourages benefit from coming in. So we just kind of like walk away from it. But you know what? I believe with all of my heart that prayer can conquer anything. Amen? And so I believe if we start praying right now, that we can see our children and our high school kids, our junior high kids, our elementary kids start praying again. Can you imagine what God will do in our school system? You ever stop to think what would happen if we brought prayer back into the school system? You know what it looks like when we kick prayer out? Just look over the last 20 years and see what's happened now. What would happen if prayer comes back? And so we need to get back into prayer. We need to get that back into our lives. And so I'm going to ask you, I want to challenge you, pray with me about seeing at the home and see what God does in there. We're going to promote it. We're going to see what we can do to be a part of that and see if we can gather somewhere on one of those school campuses outside and pray with some of those students, if at all possible. So please pray about that. Also, want you to be in prayer about some possible ministries in Rock Family Baptist Church, uh, possible prison outreach, and things of that nature. So please be in prayer about those. All right, with that being said, I think that's all of our upcoming uh, meetings, other than September 18th, the OCC Craft Day. Uh, so be a part of that. Also, on that Saturday, we'll have our admin team meeting as well. And the ladies are getting ready to go out on our Women of Joy Conference. That's going to be at the end of the month. 
24 through the 26. And I believe we're going to San Antonio, down by the River Walk. And if you've never been there before, once you get there, you'll find out where they're calling it, Limit of Joy. It's a beautiful place. And the food down there is good. And the River Walk is just amazing. So uh, perhaps you'll get blessed as you go out there and be a part of that. All right. With that being said, we've already been to the Lord in Prayer. I want to ask you to take some time to stand up and greet your neighbor quickly. Turn around and tell them, hello, I'm glad you're here. Let's do that, shall we? <laughs> God bless you, Sister Barbara. God bless you, Sister Barbara. start making our way back to our seats. She'll appreciate that. And let me tell you, it just does the pastor's heart good to see that welcoming. God bless you in it. In the meantime, Brother Stevie has a short speech, a short uh, information he'd like to share with you. Brother Stevie?
In my journey, I've experienced God's love in the form of people reaching out when they don't have to to tangibly demonstrate God's love. That love along the way has been unconditional, never-ending, generous, always-giving, powerful love that has changed hearts and most personally my, my very own. My family is originally from Rwanda in July of 1994. A lot of the you know, chaos started and uh, uh, Hutus were killing Tutsis, Tutsis killing Hutus. just built a new house and my dad realized that with two young boys and one daughter, they need to get out. And that's when they decided to flee to the DRC, the Democratic Republic of Congo. And I was born a month later there. Then after that, we bounced around the world because we had nowhere else to go. And that's when we moved to Togo. So I was a refugee for 14 years of my life. I've never met any of my, my grandparents. my cousins. Many of them were were killed. And it's not just my family. A million people fell in the span of 100 days in the Rwandan genocide. Knowing that fact broke me as a kid. I was wary of humanity because I knew what they were capable of, the evil they were capable of. And I harbored hatred for them, a radical hatred for them. I grew up calling myself a Christian, uh, but my faith wasn't my own. It was my, my parents. My parents there were, were pastors in Togo and uh, heard the gospel, read the Bible, but none of it re- reached them, really. Because of hardened heart, pride, just hatred, over and over, I walked away from God's love. But he, he was always there. You know, something that changed the course of my life was my first gift, the first gift that I ever received. As I opened the shoebox, the items in there were incredible. The first thing I remember pulling out was a scarf, a scarf that I still have. There was a red toy car in my box. That was my favorite item that day. At the very top was a sticky note. The words on that sticky note read, God loves you, Jesus loves you, I love you. Now, I had heard those first two lines before, but that last one wrecked me. Because it was an I love you from a member of that very humanity up hating, and they were telling me essentially, Eve, despite your hatred for me, I love you anyway, man. And here's proof of my love for you in the form of the first and only gift you've ever received. That shook my world to the core. sticky note to start working on my heart. It didn't happen overnight. I'm still a work in progress. His love never left our side. His 
is ever flowing, never ending, always giving, generous, powerful love. And then a shoebox gift. That's what God used to free me from the burdens of hatred. I have never been the same because of that shoebox that still continues to change my life. something so sweet when a baptism happens in the life of a believer. There's nothing sweeter than when that believer can be baptized by a family member who is also a believer. If you will look behind you, you will see we have one of our deacons, Brother Tad, getting ready to baptize his son. I want to share with you something that the Bible says here. The Bible says, the book of Ecclesiastes, chapter 4, verse 12, two are better than one because they have a good reward for their labor. For if they fall, the one will lift up his fellow, but woe to him that is alone when he falls, for he has not another to help him. The 
game is two lie together, you ain't have peace. How can one be warm alone? And if one prevail against him, who shall withstand him? And if he hold forth, it's not quickly broken. Not only does Michael have his dad baptized him this morning, but he has the love and support of his believing grandparents as well. So he has a three-fold cause, and I think that is the greatest testimony I've seen in years. With that being said, let's have it.
they just can't do it. Well, if I stopped right now, that would be a good sermon, wouldn't it? Let me tell you what. The old rugged cross is where it's at, amen? If we ever stop talking about the old rugged cross, we got a problem. And you know the reason why? Because if we quit looking to the cross, then we quit looking at what redeems us. We can't look at what He did for us. We can't look at the love He gave to us. We can't stop singing about it. If you're a Christian, if you're born again, that should be coming out of your mouth all the time. The old rugged cross. Amen. Ooh, isn't it nice to hear it in all those different languages? You know what heaven's going to be like? We're going to be up there singing like that after we eat. Don't go like this. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Ooh, goodness gracious. If you have your Bibles with you, would you please turn with me to the book of Second. Corinthians. Very interesting and powerful message this morning entitled Treasure in These Earthen Vessels. Treasure in These Earthen Vessels. And it's my prayer that Father God is going to speak to you and touch you this morning. You'll take a look up on your screen there. You'll see we have some pictures of some earthen vessels right there. You know, we have some artists here Robert Nazarene Baptist Church. We got those who paint, those who uh, make pottery those who make stained glass windows. My goodness, we have a talented bunch of people here. And we even have some great singers. Amen? Blessed be the name of the Lord. And you know, we're all just those earthen vessels right there. In fact, just to be clear, so you'll know, earthen vessels is us. It's us. Turn with me, please, to 2 Corinthians chapter 4. Let's read verses 7 through 10. The Bible says, But we have this treasure in earthen vessels, that the excellence of the power may be of God, not of us. We are hard-pressed on every side, yet not crushed. We are perplexed, but not in despair. We are persecuted, but not forsaken, struck down, but not destroyed, always carrying about in the body the dying of the Lord Jesus. That's why we got to sing the old rugged cross. Amen? That the life of Jesus also may be manifested in our body. Let's go to the Lord in prayer, shall we? Father, we come to you now in Jesus' name, and we want to thank you, Lord God, for your word. And I pray right now that your word will have its way in our hearts and our lives. And if there be anybody that needs to come to know you as personal Lord and Savior, anybody that needs to get their heart right with you, would you let this morning be the morning to give you the praise, honor, and the glory in Jesus' holy name. Amen. Treasure in earthen vessels. And let me reiterate that for you. Positively clear this morning. The earthen vessels are our bodies. That's right. We are made from dirt. Next time mom tells you kids go get in the bath and wash the dirt off, you need to remind her, I'm dirty anyways. Genesis 2 verse 7 says, And the Lord God formed man out of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. And man became a living being. Now I want you to go with me in your mind's eye for a minute to that wonderful and powerful picture of an almighty God. We're talking El Shaddai here. God Almighty. And He created the world. He spoke this world into existence. I know school has started back up. And I know we're already talking about did God make this world in six days or was it six million years? I want you to know that you can trust the Bible. You can believe the Bible. You need to hang on to what God's Word says. And God's Word tells us that He created this world in six days. And He created mankind. We didn't evolve. We were created in His image. Can I get an amen on that? We were made in His image. And the Bible tells us He reached down into the dust of the ground and formed 
mankind. Look with me again in verse 7. The Lord God formed man of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living being. He didn't evolve. He didn't come to be. He didn't crawl out of the ocean. Church, he was created by God with a purpose, and that purpose is to know and worship God Almighty. The Lord God formed man of the dust of the ground. Now I want you to get this picture if you're in your mind's eye. This all-powerful, almighty God reaching down into the dirt of the earth, reaching down into the dust, church, and forming mankind. Our God is not above getting his hands dirty, amen? And you might be sitting there thinking this morning, you might be sitting there saying, Pastor, does God care about what's going on in my life? I want you to know that was a time God put His hand down in the dirt and He will reach His hand down in your life no matter how dirty it might be and pull you up to where you need to be. He will not leave you nor forsake you. The Bible tells us God formed us out of the dust of the ground. Our God can have some muddy hands sometimes. He's not above getting a little mud on his hands. He's not above getting a little mud on his shoes either. He's not above walking in your life. He's not so far that he can't see you. No, he's right near to you. All you have to do is learn to seek him with all of your heart. For we were made from this dirt. And you know, earthen vessels are made from dirt, made from clay. They're fragile. They're weak. They're brittle. And I want you to think about Potter, the kiln, how that potter forms that vessel into whatever he or she desires. I remember the few times I had the opportunity to shape a pot in my lifetime. And let me tell you, they were no long, nowhere near being symmetrical. They oftentimes fell to one side, but I didn't care. It was fun to make it go like this. Amen. God, however, made us perfect. You're made exactly the way God wanted you to be. God has made you that way. The next time you look in the mirror, say, I don't like my ears. Remember, God made you that way. Not because He thinks you're funny looking, because God knows you need those ears to hear with. Hello, people. You might say, I don't like my nose. God knows you need that nose to smell with. And He gave you an extra big nose to help smell things out. It's funny to me. You ever heard that story about that personal baker? Oh, church, he was in Great Britain. And he was known as the banker with a large nose. We got tired of everybody coming in and saying, I want to speak to the teller with the big nose. One day he went on vacation and he finally got that nose job. Got that cute little petite button nose. He came back from work and everybody walked in and said, Where is the banker with the big nose? And he'd say, I am he. And they would say, What did you do that for? We'd like you the way you are. And folks, it began to be so depressed to miss talents. He eventually lost his job. And because he couldn't find another job due to his depression, he lost his wife and his family. And let me tell you right now, don't change what God has done in your life. Embrace what God has done in your life. Because God doesn't make mistakes. Amen? So we have these earthen vessels made from the dust of the ground. And much like a potter who puts them inside the kiln, I like to think of us being baked sometimes to perfection. I like to think of us sometimes being shaped on the potter's wheel. And as the Apostle Paul so elegantly gave us in 2 Corinthians, he said, guys, we're weak. 
work through it. Let me just tell you right now what he said about that. He said, and I quote, we are hard pressed on every side. You know what happens when you press on those little clay pots? That's right, they break. He said, but we're not crushed. Something's going on inside of you. You can get pressed by the devil. You can get pressed by the world. You can get pressed by life. But you're not being broken. Why? Because there's something inside of you. You're perplexed, but you're not in despair. In other words, there is stress in your life. There's anxiety to a degree. But you're not beaten in discouragement because you have some kind of hope inside of you. You're persecuted, but you're not forsaken. The world is coming down on you, but you know God will never leave you nor forsake you. You've been struck down, but you can't be destroyed. Why? Because there's a faith in you, inside of you. Go back with me to verse 7 in 2 Corinthians. But we have this treasure in earthen vessels, a treasure inside of us. Even though we're fragile, we're weak. Like a potter who creates jugs and jars, vases and vessels in the clay, we resemble those earthen vessels which we saw Patreon a little while ago. And as earthen vessels, we often forget what we are made for. What do you think earthen vessels are made for? I can tell you what earthen vessels are made for in my house. Plants. That's right, plants. You say, well, you had all those kids. How many earth vessels do you have left? None. <laughs> I got some plastic ones now. But I had some before. You remember those old orange ones that everybody used to love? Terracotta. I don't know what you call that right there. But if you kick them too hard, they break. If you drop them, they break. If you throw them at your brother, they break. Yes, they We forget what we're made for, you know? Humans are fragile, too. And we misuse them sometimes, don't we? And they get broken. And we speak harshly to them. We kick them when they're down. We hurt them a little bit. And they're fragile. We think life is about what gets put in us. Some of you like to think of ourselves as a pot, don't we? We often think about what gets put in us. That's what life is. Well, wrong. That's not what life is. It's not what life is. Life is not what gets put in you. As vessels, our job is to actually put something out. Put something out. It's God's job to put something in us, and it's our job to pour something out. As vessels, life is about what comes out of us. Have you ever stopped to think about that for a second? We're so concerned with our income that we forget about our outcome. Can I get an amen this morning? A lot of times we start getting worried about what's getting put inside of us. And we worry about, oh, it's not fair. And life has got me in scrambles. And I just don't know what to do. What's coming in is too much telling me. When you're supposed to be putting something out. You're supposed to be having an outcome. Remember what the Scripture says. We have treasure inside of us. And we're going to talk a little bit about what that treasure is here in just a minute. We worry way too much about the income when we should be concerned with the outcome. should be more concerned with what's coming out of you. Now, I don't need to go through all the Scriptures. I'm sure you know them. Jesus actually gives us warning after warning after warning. He says, what you put in your mouth, what you put in your heart will come out of your mouth. 
You need to be concerned with the outcome. And we worry too much about the income instead of the outcome. Now, I have this wonderful picture for you here. What is that thing? What is that treasure inside of us? This is a picture of a treasure found in earthen jars. I believe this one was found in Pompeii or something like that. I can't remember the footnotes that were on it. But that's treasure of volcanic ash inside an earthen jar. Perhaps you might feel a little bit like me. Pastor, I just feel so dirty. Pastor, I feel like I got nothing but ash inside of me. Pastor, I feel like I got nothing but dirt and trash inside of me. God says you got treasure inside of you. And it's time for us to start finding out what that treasure is. Take a look with me in Matthew chapter 13. We're going to jump around a little bit this morning, and it's my prayer that the Holy Ghost speaks to you. It's my prayer that God convicts you. It's my prayer that God will speak to you into coming and getting your heart right with Him this morning. Look with me in Matthew 13, verses 44 to 46. The Bible says, again, the kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in a field. Now, we're looking at treasures, right? You've got a treasure inside of you. And here's Jesus speaking in a parable. He says, the kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in a field, which a man found and hid. And for joy over it, he goes and sells all that he has and buys that field. Now, I want you to have the picture here in your mind's eye of what's happening. A man finds a treasure in a field. He didn't know where that treasure was. He didn't know who left that treasure. All he knows is one day he's walking around, he comes across a Century 21 sign that says, Field for sale. Contact this and this real estate broker. He starts looking into the field because perhaps he had a dream. Perhaps his dream was, I want to own an acre somewhere with a pond on it. Go like this, baby. I want one with a stream. So, Pastor, you describing your dream? Yes, I am. Hallelujah, boy. And he found one. And he just, out of curiosity, started walking around that field. And in that field, he comes across something he never dreamed of before. He never dreamed would be the fact that he has no reason to be there, but it's a treasure. It's a treasure beyond price. The Bible tells him, Imagine what it would have been like for you to walk up to the Century 21 agent and say, Oh, by the way, I found this treasure chest here. They were like, Thank you very much. Now please leave my field and my chest alone.
when you find it, it's worth every bit you have. There's a treasure inside of you. What is that treasure? Well, let's answer that question using the Scriptures. Number one. Number one. We look inside the treasure inside of you. We look at what that is. You're an earthen vessel with a treasure inside of you. And we get so concerned with what's going in us. Sometimes we forget about what needs to come out of us. You've got some treasure you need to pour out on a lost and dying world. We have a world here that doesn't know how to be male or female anymore. We've got a world here that does not know the difference between right and wrong. We have a world here that does not know good and evil. We have a world that needs a church to stand up and start pouring its treasure out. Amen? We have a world here that needs a good, godly influence. You know, when I got to the pulpit this morning, I've already been asked about nine times about, Pastor, what do you think about Afghanistan? I know it's the elephant in the room, so I'm going to go ahead and address that. Are you ready? Even Forrest Gump knew to go back and get Bubba and Lieutenant Dan. Amen? And we need to think about that sometimes. Our world has forgotten what's right and what's wrong. And we have a treasure inside of us. And that treasure is your relationship with God. And the Bible tells us in Matthew 19, verses 21 and 22, if you want to be perfect, this is Jesus speaking to the rich young ruler. He says, sell, sell what you have. Give to the poor. You will have treasure in heaven. And come follow me. You have to have that relationship that's unhindered with God. That is something worth treasuring. Do you have something right now that comes between you and your relationship with God? You're going to find out that your earthen vessel starts getting cracked when that happens. You're going to find out that your earthen vessel, when it gets pressed, it starts breaking. You're going to find out that when it's persecuted, it feels forsaken instead of love. Your relationship with God is what that treasure is. Your relationship with the Savior. Jesus reminds this young man here, look at verse 22. When he heard that saying, he went away sorrowful, for he had great possession. Jesus reminds him, nothing can come between you and your relationship with God. God treasures a relationship with you as well. 1 Corinthians 6, verse 20 tells us, For ye were bought at a price. Therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. Jesus paid a price for you. What do you think a treasure's worth? answer that question again. What do you think a treasure is worth? You've heard the Bible describe us as earthen vessels with a treasure inside of us. We know that treasure is a relationship with God. What do you think that's worth? Jesus thinks it's worth a price. The Bible tells us in 1 Corinthians 6.20, you were bought at a price. What do you think that price is? Could you go to Walmart and use your little scanning app and scan and see if it was $1.99, if it was two for $5? What do you think it is? I want you to know that what's implied here is that it's a price that has no money on earth it can match. It's a price that cannot be bought with anything here. It's a price that came from somebody perfect. You were bought at a price. Somebody who was willing to give. No one else would. 1 
1 Peter 1, 18 and 19 tells us, Know not that you were redeemed with corruptible things, like silver or gold, from your aimless conduct received by tradition from your fathers, but with the precious blood of Christ, as of a lamb without blemish and without spot. What is that price? The Bible tells us in 1 Peter and verse 19, precious blood. Precious blood. Blood that had never once ever embraced sin. Blood that had never once embraced anything against God. What do you think that blood is worth? The Bible says you are like vessel without praise in His eyes. And you were bought with a price. As we begin to see our relationship with God is essential. Here's what you think about it. Ready? God treasures that relationship with you. God treasures it, even though it's inside of your earthen vessel. God treasures that relationship with you. God wants that relationship to grow to the greatest point that it can be. It's inside of you. Remember, we started out our message this morning talking about income versus outcome. And so, if the greatest treasure inside of you is your relationship with God, what about the second one? Would it be your relationship with your family? And you'll find that most men are worried more about the income they bring home and forget about the outcome they have for their wife and their children. Your family needs your outcome a lot more than your income. Did you know that? They need it more than your income. Say, wait a minute, Pastor. I know I've got to go to work. Amen. Not in debate whatsoever. But they need the outcome. They need you to be with them. They need you to love them. They need you to be a part of their life. And you know, I'm not just preaching to men this morning. Moms, your children need you to give a little outcome as well. And you know something else? Husbands need a little outcome too. They need a little hug every now and then. They need a, you didn't do that bad of a job, sweetheart. Let me help you. Every man right now knows exactly what I'm talking about. <laughs> you ever had a woman that just says you can't do anything right? Quit! Quit! Worry a little bit more about the outcome than the income. You know what else? We love your children as an outcome. Love your family. Husbands, love your wives. Wives, love your husbands. Fathers, mothers, love your children. Brothers and sisters, love each other. That outcome come. The Bible calls that treasure God wants. You know how hard it is to love your brother and sister when you're not a Christian? You know how hard it is to honor mom and dad when you're not a Christian? You know how hard it is to love your neighbor as yourself when you're not a Christian? Treasure inside of you. Your relationship with your neighbor. That's our third point here today. If you have a relationship with God, and that's a treasure inside of you, and you have a relationship with your family, and that's also a treasure inside of you, you have a relationship with your neighbors all around you. And of course, we know that everybody is our neighbor. Amen? That goes without speaking, right? It's a treasure we need to share. It's a treasure that needs to come out of us. How do we do that then? If there's a treasure inside of us, how do we get that out? Well, you know what? The Bible tells us we need to start testifying about God. We need to stand up to this world and testify that Jesus Christ is coming back and He will judge this world in righteousness. 
We need to stop praising God even when the world doesn't want to hear it anymore. We need to stop giving God the glory even when they're trying to explain it away. Remember, there's treasure inside of you. Treasure inside of you, ready to come out. Look at John 4, 14. For whoever drinks of the water that I shall give him will never thirst, but the water that I shall give him will become in him a fountain of water, springing up into everlasting life. How do you get that water to your neighbor? How do you get that treasure? And it doesn't matter what you call the treasure. Gold, silver, precious jewels, money. It doesn't matter. Water, food. It doesn't matter what you call it. It's treasure. And that treasure needs to be shared with those around you. It's an outcome. the greatest commandment. The second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. Literally and honestly, what that means is love your neighbor like you love yourself. But what do your neighbors look like? <laughs> Can you love them? You say, that guy's a clown. Who is that? That's Alfred E. Newman from Mad Magazine. <laughs> I grew up with that guy. That was a face of comedy when I was growing up. Could you love that guy? What about those guys? Could you love those guys? What if those guys were your neighbor? Could you love them? Could you love those silly guys? And you might have some neighbors who are silly. What about this guy? Could you love him? you got treasure inside of you that even Steve Urkel needs. You've got treasure inside of you that the Three Stooges need. You have treasure inside of you that Alfred E. Newman needs. You've got treasure. What is that treasure you have? You have a relationship with God, and this world is starving to death to know Him. Amen? How do you get that treasure to Him? You know something? You know what the Bible tells us? The Bible tells us that we are supposed to be bringing the gospel to everybody we meet. We have a commission in Matthew 28 to take the gospel to the entire world. We're supposed to reach out to those that aren't lovable, to those that we can love, to those that don't want to be loved. We're supposed to love them enough to bring them Jesus Christ. Why? Because you've got a treasure inside of you, and God thinks you're worth treasuring. You were bought with a great price, the precious blood of Jesus Christ. Amen. Hallelujah. You are worth something to God. What does He think you're worth? He thinks you're worth the precious blood of His only begotten Son. Think about that for a second. Have you ever stopped to think about that? God thinks I'm worth the precious blood of His Son. What does that mean? I have four sons. And I can tell you right now, I don't want my children dying for anybody. But God thinks you're worth dying for. He thinks you're worth His perfect, precious, sinless baby boy. A one who came down to this earth willingly, lovingly, and lived a life sinless because there's treasure in you in God's eyes. He thinks you're worth his son. I've had people stand up and say, I don't think God loves me. I want you to know God thinks you're worth a great price the life of His only begotten Son. Pastor, I don't know if God can ever love me again. Hello? God thinks you're worth dying for. A 
should be there. But you know, the Bible does tell us about a time Jesus is going to come back and judge the world in righteousness. Not in happiness, not in love, but in righteousness. The Bible describes some of that time about Jesus having an iron rod. And I know you can get into debates with me about millennial kingdoms and things of that nature, but I want you to look at Revelation 2, verses 25 and 27. As a warning is given to a church in Ephesus, Jesus says to that church, hold fast what you have. This is verse 25. Hold on to what you have till I come. He who overcomes and keeps my works to the end, to him I will give power over the nations. Look at verse 27. He shall rule them with a rod of iron. They shall be dashed I also have the seed for my father. I'm going to give you an iron rod. You know what you do with an iron rod? That's right. It tells you in verse 27 what you do with it. You bash open pots that no longer have outcomes. That's right. And that should alarm all of us. Ask yourself the question right now. What's coming out of here? Is it something worth treasuring? Or is it something a little less treasurable? Think about that for a second. Perhaps you might say to me this morning, Pastor, I'm empty. I'm empty and I don't know what to do. I've been empty in my heart, empty in my life, empty in my relationship, empty in my prayer time, empty in my Bible study. I'm empty and I want to get full. I'm going to show you how to get full this morning. I know there's all kinds of preachers on TV and I know there's all kinds of say, here's a step-by-step method. Wrong. Wrong. God relates to each and every one of us differently. Did you know that? He does. Though He saves us all the same, how do we get saved? The Bible says, for by grace you are saved through faith. You must believe, not works. you got to believe. you got to accept God's goodness, God's grace. How do we get back in that right relationship with God? How do we do that? I've had people say, I'd love to have a burning bush like Moses. You know what I tell them? Moses hated seeing that burning bush. He scared of half death. That's right. He stopped to take a look at it, and then God spoke out of it, and he was afraid. Some people say, I want a donkey to talk to me. No, you don't. I want clouds to speak to me. No, you don't. What do you want, Pastor? I want a prophet. No, you don't. Prophet will do it. Go ahead. He'll knock your socks off. He shows up there and says, Thus saith the Lord Almighty, and tells you everything you've been doing. You know, while I'm on the subject, I've got to talk about something. Forgive me for just a second. I've got to get on the soapbox. I am so tired of YouTube prophets out there. Amen? They've been getting on TV and telling people when the end of the world's coming. They're picking dates. They're picking times. They're saying, God told me this. And then two weeks later, they're completely wrong and saying, well, I guess I was wrong in my interpretation, but God's always right. And people are still believing them. And they're missing what the Scriptures say. The Scriptures say that God's prophets have to be right 100% of the time. You can't be right 99% of the time. you got to be right 100% of the time to be God's prophet. Why? Because God is never wrong. I am so tired of those people getting on TV. I'm so tired of them inspecting the modern-day church. They come in. You know why they're inspecting the church today? Because our prophetic eye is kind of blind. You know why our prophetic eye is blind? Because we have stopped 
being in God's Scriptures. If we will get back into Scripture, we will start understanding what's going on around us. There was a wonderful quote out there this week that Hank said, if you're reading the news, you're partly asking God what's going on. But if you're reading the Bible, you already know why it's going on. It's time for God's people to get back into God's Word. And it's time for us to get back to God. And it's time for us to tell those false prophets, you are exactly Not everybody who says is a Christian is a Christian either. Did you know that? You think the Bible ever thought about that? It says in the end times there will be wolves and, and false brethren and, and wolves in sheep's clothing. Think about those things right there. Apostle Paul had trouble with them all the time. False prophets, false preachers, false brethren. Heresy springing up in the church. You know what the movement in the church today to try to get you to go back to being a Jew? That's right. We should, as Baptists, we should be standing up fighting that tooth and nail. We love our bacon, but like you. We should stand up and say, because Jesus died for me, the law is fulfilled in Him, and I'm dead to the law. The law's not done away with. I'm alive in grace because of the death of Jesus Christ. And that's a treasure, amen? We have forgotten that. You think you can please God with what you eat or what you drink? You can't do that. You can't do that. Oh, my goodness, you ate some sausage, you're going to hell. No, you're going to hell because you do not obey Jesus Christ. And this is the obedience Christ is asking for, that you will love Him, that you will give your heart to Him, that you will believe Him. That's what He's asking for. I've had people ask me that, Pastor, you're not teaching your church that you have to go to church on Saturday. And I'm like, I ain't changing that. I like Sunday. They're like, why is this the Lord's Day? You know, I've had people tell me that. Straight up, say, you're going to hell because you worship on Sunday. You know what I tell them? I said, you're going to hell because you're a false prophet. They usually quit talking to me then. Perhaps you're angry this morning about what's going on in the world. Perhaps you're empty this morning about what has happened in your life and you feel like an empty vessel. You know what I'm talking about? You feel so empty. You know you're God's. You know you're saved. You feel like something.
they're all about grace. They're all about faith. They're all about God loves me. And when we turn it to righteousness, we all say, I don't really want anything to do with righteousness. So then what is righteousness, Pastor? You don't know what righteousness is? I'm going to be honest with you. You can't attain it. There's nothing you can do to become righteous. It's total dependency on the grace and the goodness of Jesus Christ. That's righteousness. Jeremiah began to learn it as he began to preach to his people all around. And Jeremiah is known as the weekly prophet. And I love Jeremiah. Jeremiah is so powerful, so emotional, so, so charismatic in his preaching. Oh, I wish I could be like Jeremiah. Jeremiah preached a sermon that moved mountains, literally. The church, they put him inside wells. They threatened his life. Jeremiah began to learn, my my righteousness is going to be put to rags. Isaiah began to learn, there's something missing from our righteousness. We can wash our hands. We can eat certain things. We can put on alis and zitzits. We can hold to certain days. But there's something missing. Ezekiel began to preach. There's something missing in our hearts. It's wrong in our hearts. Ezekiel began to preach. Hosea began to say, I can go and redeem you over and over again. I can rescue you over and over again. But there's something wrong in our hearts. Jonah began to understand that God looks at the world a little differently than we do. He grew on and on and on. He said, what happened to Jonah? There's no Jonah in the waves. Jonah ends up preaching in Nineveh. And then in the end, he can't wait for God to judge Nineveh. Instead, a revival breaks out. How many of y'all want that today? You want a revival in South Dakota? You want a revival in Texas? Start preaching the message Jonah preached. What did Jonah preach? Repent. That's right. That's the message he preached. Revival broke out in Nineveh. And then he got mad at God when God didn't judge him. He said, how come you're not killing them, God? Jonah. What was the message Jeremiah preached? Jeremiah said there's a new covenant. A brand new covenant. You know, one we call the written gospel. The new covenant poured out of the blood of Jesus Christ. Ezekiel began to preach, you need a new heart. you got a heart of stone. And written on that heart of stone are those ten commandments. And they lead to death. All they do is condemn. All the law can do, listen to me now, all the law can do is chase you to Calvary. No further. The law can do nothing but condemn. Why? Is the law bad? No, the law isn't bad. The law is good. The law is righteous. The law is correct. But it cannot save you. The blood of Jesus Christ does that. All the law does is teach you you need a Savior. And Ezekiel began to preach that. I've got to get this stony heart out. And I've got to get a heart that feels. Because our God doesn't just look at what you do on the outside. He looks at what's on the inside. And you might need that feeling on the inside. What about Isaiah? Who began to preach, there's one coming. There's one coming. His name is the Wonderful. He's a counselor. He's the Almighty God. You ever thought about that wonderful counselor? You ever thought about, think about that? 
How many times we go to Jesus and say, tell me what to do, but this is how I'm going to do it. He's the wonderful counselor. But he ain't going to give you any counseling if you let him do the talking. What does the Bible tell us? How do we get filled again? Look at me in Matthew 5, verse 6. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be filled. Are you hungry this morning? You want to get right with God? You want to get right with Jesus Christ? How do you do that? The Bible tells us you need to come home. You know the stories. You know the parables. You've heard the story of the prodigal son. He left, and when he looked down, when he came to his senses, he came home. You've heard the parables of the missing sheep or the missing coin. Would you be willing to come home today? Would you say, I'm hungry for righteousness? Say, Pastor, I don't know Jesus. How do I come to know Jesus? I want to show you how to do that. I want you to come down the aisle today and say, Pastor, I need to get saved. Perhaps God's calling you to be a part of Robert's Navigate. Or perhaps God's calling you to something else. Whatever it may be, would you be willing to share that with us? We're going to have a time of prayer. If you spoke to you this morning, would you be willing to share that with us? Let's pray together. Father, I come to you now in Jesus' name. I ask you to get in charge right now. This time. Please, Lord, reach out and touch us. And please, Lord, fill us. And please, Lord, be glorified. And I'm asking you, Father God, speak to our hearts. And if there be anybody who needs to come to know you, or anybody who needs to get their heart right with you, let's save you that day. Would you help us, Father God, as we are just earthen vessels? Fill us with your goodness. To those that are hungry and are thirsting after righteousness, so let's save you today. They come and get filled with you. For those, Father God, who need to make their hearts right with you in any other way, would you give them strength and know you come? For we give you the praise, the honor, and the glory in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you come as we sing? Lord, I'm coming home. Come on.
you guys are tripping. Don't forget tonight, six, uh, six o'clock, we'll have that special called Business Meeting. We're going to talk about those funds. We're going to be in the town for uh, um, moral reasons to SEC. So some of that's been alleviated, and now we're going to talk about what to do with that. So special called Business Meeting tonight, one item or one item only. It should be really quick and easy. Some of you are part of that. Don't forget choir practice today, 430. Um, don't forget uh, Wednesday night Bible study at 630 and tonight worship at 6 o'clock. So uh, with that being said, is there anything I may have forgotten? Oh, yes, one more thing. Uh, tomorrow's Labor Day, so happy, happy Labor Day. Get some barbecue, amen? Even if it is pork ribs, you're okay. <laughs> That's right, no schools, says one of the high school students, no schools. So bless it be the name of the Lord of that as well. Uh, and the office shall be closed tomorrow in the service of Labor Day. So I'm going to put that out there for you. So with that being said, I'm going to ask Brother Joe to close in prayer tradition.